great. Awesome. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Real Men Feel. I am Andy Grant. With me is Apio Hunter. Hi, Apio. Hey, <laughs> how's it going? Excellent. So, uh, again, I am Andy Grant. I am an author, coach, speaker, transformational energy coach, Akashic record reader. The vast majority of my work is uh, primarily done with women through no fault of my own. <laughs> I attract a lot of women in my work, and that's, that's always been a wonderful thing. But in recent months, I keep getting more nudges to do more projects, more workshops, more spaces for men. And one of the ways that has come to fruition is was this, this now weekly blab show called Real Men Feel that I do with Apio here, my friend in, uh, from Utah. I'm in oh. Massachusetts, so we are crashing the country with our manhood. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and we have we a Facebook are. group. We have a Facebook group called Real Men Feel. Uh, this is our third show. We began last month, and initially we we're just going to do this once a month. But we've had uh, enough fun ourselves, and that's really what matters. That's what drives what I do. <laughs> Same here. Yeah, it's all so about fun. It's now weekly. We're we're live every Tuesday afternoon, five p.m. Eastern. Um, this week, we are talking about something that I think is going to be very interesting. It's really exploring manhood and what it means to be a man. And is it different if you're gay or straight? So I, I'll come out of the closet. I've been married for 18 years. So I'm, you know, I'm not gay. Not that there's anything wrong with that. And I've got to get that out of the way or else I'll be like, feel like I'm bordering on ripping off Seinfeld this whole time. <laughs> As for me, um, I'll do a quick little introduction for myself. I'm Matt Pio Hunter, also known as the Emotion Emancipator, also an author, speaker, uh, happiness coach, um, energy uh, worker. I do a lot with uh, balancing emotional energies, and I also channel, channel a, a non-physical intelligence called Samuel. That, uh, and that's something we'll be talking about next week. But as for me, I represent the other side of the spectrum of manhood which is, yes, I am gay. I have been in a same-gender relationship for the past 14-plus uh, years. And, uh, you know, it has, you know, I've come to the table with the perspective of, does it really matter whether or not, you know, does sexuality really matter in our experience as men? So that's what we're all just going to jump in. And so, you know what? Honestly, Andy, I think we'll toss it over to you first, kind of get your thoughts, and uh, then I'll jump in whenever. All right. Well, first I want to ask, because you said same-gender relationship. Yes. That is not a term I've heard before. So is that ah. the best way to refer to a relationship? Or a, I don't um, I, I admit that I sometimes do tend to go into politically correct terms. Um, it's, a, it's, a gen, it, it's a term that I have chosen consciously to start using because for me, same-sex relationship still, still puts a lot of emphasis on the sexual component of it, on the sexual attraction component of it. Whereas for me, this, my sexuality has never been it has never been defined who I am. It has really been a part of who I am. It is part of my experience, but it doesn't define me. And I've always resisted a lot of um, efforts to try to pigeonhole me, to put me into a box, to make me into something that I'm not. First and foremost, I am a human being. I am a man. Yes, I may be sexually attracted to other men. But that's not the whole totality of my experience. My experience is about that of being a human. Mm -hmm. 
that of being the best human being I can possibly be. So for me, I've never been politically active. I've never been somebody who goes out there and has been in your face. I'm not afraid of hiding who I am. I'm not afraid of, of, of speaking to that particular aspect of my life. But it definitely has never defined the totality of my life. And I've always you know, resisted efforts to try to shove me into that and identify me solely as that. So that's why I consciously use the term same gender relationship versus same sex relationship because so much emphasis has been placed on the sex part. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So what, why this subject came to my mind was in, in my creation, I, I lead two ongoing men's support groups here in Massachusetts. And as I was doing that and making this space for men and men, 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 I'm like, wow, what, what happens if a gay man shows up? Does it, does it change something? Will they need something more? Will they, will they, would they never want to come and be around my heterosexual self? You know, I, I just didn't, I really didn't know. So, and I think, you know, we talked a little bit about this to talk about, to see if this would be a good subject. Mm -hmm. And, and you said, you came across that there's, there's really not a difference. Um, but for, from my experience, I think most straight guys think there is a difference. Mm -hmm. I would agree. Now, from your perspective, yes. Um, I, the way I've seen it, and it's certainly the way it's come across to me, is just that there is a level of discomfort because there is this perception that there is this huge cultural divide between gay men and straight men. That, you know, I can't relate to the experience your experiences and you can't relate to my experiences and so forth. And there is an, an element of that that figures into the whole mix. So, for instance, yes, I'll be the first one to admit I'm not big into sports. I don't get into sports conversations. I could, I could care less about statistics and all of that stuff that people like to talk about. And supposedly it's part of the male experience, you know, um, for me. I like to talk about things that are intellectually engaging and to, and no sports statistics for me are not intellectually <laughs> engaging. That's, that's speaking strictly as me it has nothing to do with the fact that, you know, I'm gay. It's the fact that it just doesn't interest me. And I know a lot of straight men who feel the exact same way. And in conversations with, with men who I feel are less hung up about sexuality, more, more focused on the totality of their experience as human beings, our our experiences are almost entirely the same you know we we have we experience the same fears we experience you know the same uh the same um I was good I guess you could say hang ups about who we love it's just what the the main difference being is that you know I like guys, you know, they love women, and but we still have the same concerns about, okay, I'm dating this person, what do you think, you know, I, and, you know, I hate the head games, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's actually a shared experience. And women and gay men do like head games for some reason. Well, that's just <laughs> younger, younger ones, okay? I know Lori's on here, so Lori, I love you. <laughs> and that is not an overgeneralization, please. <laughs> I'm not yeah. trying to be politically incorrect here. Even though I I always thought there was a difference, and most people, most guys I grew up with know are sure there's a difference, I don't think any of them can name it. It's it's because you're different, there must be lots of differences that I can't figure out or comprehend. Mm -hmm. But most gay guys that I've ever come across and known and confronted, I had no idea. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just, it, we're just, and then I remember, I remember working with a few guys through my career, you know, out of the blue, like, you know, do you think Joe knows I'm gay? I'm like, well... 
I didn't know, so I don't know if he knows. You know, like, <laughs> all right. to do with anything. I had no idea. You know? And that's that's been part of the the part of my own experience. Uh, you know, has been of course having to hide, having to hide who I am because society has made such a big deal out of it. But now that we are shifting into a more, um, you know, shifting into a more conscious society, into a more accepting society. It's it's starting. A lot of people are starting to realize that it is not that big of a deal, and you know this this whole emphasis on somebody's sexuality, who they love, or who they sleep with, or anything like that, ultimately doesn't matter because it does not impact their own daily lives. Yeah, I find it very curious that you know here in Utah where I live, obviously you know the whole marriage equality debate was was a was a big deal because the Mormon Church is just dominates. You know, life out here, everything centers around you know what the church thinks and everything else, and 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 you know the members follow you know they because of their faith they they tend to follow what the what the church leaders say, and but when you ask the just the average Mormon on the street, for them they're like, what's the big deal? They don't. They never understood what the big deal is. Why the leaders were making such a big deal out of it, and, and for them, it's like no, no. My my own marriage hasn't been affected. My my children continue to get good grades. I I still have my job. You know, my um, everything that I've that that was part of my daily life continues to be part of my daily life. Hell hasn't frozen over to my knowledge, and. Yeah, there's there's been no difference. All the all the cataclysms that have been predicted and everything else by by so many people, and and again, deep respect and great respect to who, to everybody's religious traditions and faiths. You know, I I have great respect for that. But all of the proclamations that supposedly was you know, was going to be a spell cataclysm because of the acceptance of somebody's sexuality haven't come to pass yeah. and it doesn't affect the, the vast majority of people in their day-to-day lives yeah it's, now, it's not a big deal why should it matter yeah it's uh, it's fear of the unknown drove this for generations absolutely and i don't know what it is it's got to be horrible and to make it to make my fear justified i will you know trumpet it up even louder and it'll destroy everything I'm like oh no it's just someone who's different like, yeah exactly but you know the same thing holds true for anybody whom we perceive to be different we always try to vilify that and that is not and that happens not just in american culture that happens in every culture around the world what you perceive to be different different you're going to want to hold it apart you're going to want to vilify it it's it's just a natural human reaction when we're focused on differences versus what actually brings us together the things that are what are the common ground so mm-hmm. so then the overall male experience you know being concerned of does someone like me will they return my phone call all that kind of stuff growing up or, or even now if you're dating at any age it, it doesn't matter it's the exact same. The, it, it, the only difference is the who. <laughs> That's the only difference. But everything else is just like, yeah, do they like me? Do they not like me? Um, all of that. It's all part of the human experience. It's part of us feeling our emotions. It's part of the totality of being male, female, but more importantly, a human being. Right. Yeah. And that that's such a foundation of... You know, the, the whole notion of the real men feel 
and that we you know we feel all emotions and because before being men we are human exactly we're not the vulcans of star trek you know we're not you know we're not robots you know we're not these emotionless creatures that are that and and it's there's well documented evidence out there in the scientific and, and psychological communities that um, that you know any time that male or female we do not allow our emotions to flow we do not give ourselves permission to feel and to acknowledge what it is that we're feeling it creates major issues down the road. It's like I like to use the example of a dam. You know when you stick a dam on a river. The engineers who create that dam also have to pay a great deal of attention to the foundations of the dam because there is because the pressure behind the dam builds to to a point where the water behind it is going to want to seep through the rocks and any cracks or anything that it can find in 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 underneath the rocks of that of that dam, it's going to find a way to go underneath it, and it will undercut the foundations and eventually the dam collapses and you have a major catastrophe. Well. You can't do that when you're blocking your emotions. You can create a dam. You can hold the emotions back for a while, but it, those emotions will find a way through. And when they do burst out, it's, it's, it ain't pretty. And that metaphor really fits for societal pressures too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you, you yes. It's all hidden. You can keep us all dammed up and what we're going to be and who we really are, and eventually it breaks through. Exactly. And I love your comment, Craig, that focusing on differences always triggers fears, especially when fueled with religious beliefs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And again, that, that, that is old survival mechanisms, right? I've got to be around people just like me to be safe. And that's just not true anymore. It hasn't been true for quite a long time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if anything, too much of you know, what's, what's the same creates issues. Right. You know, and, and, and I personally love living in a very diverse community. I love being in a place where there's there's a lot of diversity, not just of uh, a, a racial diversity, but also religious diversity, philosophical diversity, cultural diversity. I mean, when I lived in South Florida, it was I loved it. I mean, the neighborhood where I lived was predominantly Jewish, but um, it was. I didn't have to go very far. I had to only go a couple blocks, and you know, there there was a whole mix of people from every background possible, and it was phenomenal. And Andy, you oh, there you are. <laughs> you froze up there for a second. I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> where'd my co-host go? <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> it, um, one thing, you know, I'm in Massachusetts. It's the liberal Northeast. So it can, from my perspective, really seem like um, the the gay rights movement has won. It's all over. There's no issue anymore. Right. But is is that the case everywhere in America? Certainly not. Um, A lot of – I certainly see a lot of people trying to enshrine their fears – and I'm not going – well, I guess I am going to use the word bigotry because <laughs> I just used it. Um, they're trying to enshrine their fears of bigotry, everything about it in, in uh, the cloak of religious freedom. In other words, no, I insist on my freedom to discriminate against who I wish to discriminate against. I want, I insist on my freedom to bully who I want to bully. And I find it very curious how the bully suddenly – tries to take on the mantle of the victim when being told that, no, sorry, you cannot, in a pluralistic society where you have multiple people of multiple religions, multiple backgrounds, we all enjoy the same basic legal freedoms. We're not telling you that, no, you can't you know, enjoy those freedoms within the walls of your church. You can do whatever you want within the walls of your church. That's the whole premise of freedom of religion. 
But in a society where we all have to find common ground and we all need to live together, there's a very basic principle, and that is we can accept our differences and we can learn to live those differences and we can even learn to celebrate those differences. Even if we may disagree, we can agree, we can learn, we can disagree agreeably. Yeah, we can, not agreeing doesn't mean you have to go into battle. No, exactly. Like, oh, there's a movie playing. I don't want to see that movie. Yeah. You don't go fight the people coming out of that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, for instance, for me, it's like, okay, great. You know, focusing on gay straight doesn't matter or whatever. You know, this is this, this quote-unquote battle. And I think it is a fabricated issue regarding a battle between, you know, the gay community and the LGBTQ community and the religious communities. It's a fabrication. It's a fabrication as far as I'm concerned, as far as certain select people who want to maintain their grip on the grip on, on power, their influence and so forth, and whatever benefits they may get from it by creating this whole schism. But really when you bring the two together and you find a way to work together on you know common issues that face a community at large, whether it is a homelessness, whether it is mental health challenges that are faced by the homeless, whether it is poverty, whether it is transportation issues and so forth, there often is going to be common ground. And there is, nobody has a monopoly on on good ideas. And that certainly isn't you know, whether regardless of what spectrum of uh, what part of the spectrum you're on and where whatever your perspective is as a human being, gay, straight, or whatever, there's always going to be good ideas that come from everywhere and good perspectives to be shared by everybody. And it seems it's always someone's personal experience, their willingness to meet someone or know someone, have an experience to realize that they're you know, their, um, their stereotypes, the things they were taught, the, the walls mm -hmm. that they thought existed, the differences they assumed were there, mm -hmm. aren't there. No, they're not. Exactly. And, and as we come together and as we let go of our fears and we learn to feel comfortable with each other and just get to know each other as human beings, we're going to find out that it, none of this matters. None of it matters whatsoever. So I'll, 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 I'll give you an example. And it isn't necessarily – well, I'll give you I'll give you two examples. The first example is is um, when the first time I went to I went out with somebody's to when I lived in Tampa, some friends of mine invited me out to a strip bar. You know, one of the that Tampa's famous for those. And I mean, as a gay man going to a place that's no just just you know the epitome of objectifying women and seeing them as nothing more than sexual objects to me it was like really really weird and uncomfortable at first because i did not look at women in the same way that they looked at women but through the night as i gave myself permission to just kind of relax and be and, and enjoy the fact that i was with my friends these were people that i appreciated and who appreciated me as friends and we just focused on our friendship the fact that they were straight, I was gay, ended up becoming a non-issue. And yeah, they would try to get me to, you know, accept a lap dance and everything else. I'm like, no, sorry, it's not happening. <laughs> I mean, I, I loved the gals. They were beautiful. I could appreciate their beauty and everything else, but it just was not, no, not my thing. Same thing, you know, for them, you know, I, I never tried to get them to go to a gay bar with me, but still, you know, it was, we tried to share experiences with each other so that we could appreciate 
each other's perspective and, and each other's unique. Um, there are some unique experiences, you know, that are that are there part of each community. But for, but once again, we found common ground with which to be able to relate to each other. The the big uh, the big separator was you know who we were attracted to. But even that it wasn't an, it, it it was a non issue for us. The other example that I want to bring up as far as feeling comfortable with somebody or someone that is different is using is a cultural thing. When I went to Tokyo for the first time, I did what I could to learn what little Japanese I could to survive, you know, the, the basics, you know, good morning, how are you, do you speak English, <laughs> things like that. And um, I loved my time while I was there, but I felt so uncomfortable because the culture was also so different. And I did my best to try to understand the culture as much as I could. And I knew that given time, especially once I was able to learn the language and really be able to communicate with them, I, I would. I was going to be okay, but I was only there for a week. But that, to me, was a really good example of how when you perceive somebody to be different and there is no communication that takes place, it can really cause a lot of discomfort. And so when the gay men and straight men look at each other and refuse to communicate with each other and instead you, all you do is toss out epithets and, and stereotypes and you know we'll, we'll we'll call the straight men you know bigots and they call us you know fags or whatever now they use all these different derogatory terms it doesn't create communication and you and it continues to foster that that level of discomfort all along the way but if you find a if you find a way to actually open up the communication, take and to speak with each other versus at each other. No, and the the notion of traveling in different cultures, I, I imagine it's going to be the same way. Wh whether you're closeted for whatever thing you're hot, whatever mm -hmm. however you're being inauthentic about yourself, mm -hmm. it's going to be be like traveling. And how exhausting it would be to to go to Japan per se, and I'm going to pretend to be Japanese. I'm going to try to look just like them and walk and talk and just I'm going to do my best faking it and how exhausting that that would be. And that's kind of is that similar? Absolutely. And, and for those, you know, where it's very obvious because, you know, they're trying, in, 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 in the LGBT community, particularly with um, amongst gay men, there's this thing about acting butch. You know, in other words, you try to behave straight. And in some cases, it's so obvious that, no, you, you just be yourself. Be comfortable with yourself. Exactly, Craig. Inauthentic equals being closeted. And it is truly exhausting to have to behave that way. And there are those who that they're just going to behave as they want to behave no matter what and good on them and good for them for, for doing so. But trying to behave in a way because of the expectations and living in fear because somebody is because you think that you are going to somehow be beat up or murdered or whatever i'm telling you it it's it it there's a reason why especially amongst you know gay youth in in deeply conservative religious communities why there's such an epidemic of suicides and depression and substance abuse because they cannot be accepted and there is this cultural, there's this cultural obsession in so many places, and I really call it less cultural. Well, there's both cultural obsessions and there's also religious obsessions. 
And my question has always been, since I was very, very little, why is there such an obsession? Why does it matter? And there can be an, there can be an obsession without it mattering. Exactly. I even paused to think about this, but are, are, are most of the things that people obsessed with prove to be things that don't matter? That's exactly correct. We obsess about things that really don't matter. And that ultimately, what I find very fascinating is that we end up, we end up focusing on things and obsessing about things that not only don't matter, but that have absolutely no impact on us. And, and the obsession is getting in the way of you feeling good, of you finding, finding you know, the commonality. If you could mm-hmm. just drop your obsession, that's proven to be nothing, just building up barriers, and you could, you know... To, to yeah. keep with the metaphor, you could enjoy your time in Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly, or, or wherever. And you know, Craig, um, I, I agree with you. Craig said that you know, he thinks that religious dogma set the culture for century, and it's changing. Thank God, and I and I agree with that. You know, interesting because earlier today I was reading somebody who I was reading a post from from a friend who had posted something about somebody who had had a near death experience a long time ago and this this individual reported as part of that near death experience is that he asked you know he asked the light um what religion is the right one? Which one should I join? Kind of, and funny enough, having been raised Mormon, and it's at the center of Mormon religion is 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 Joseph Smith's very question: which religion is the right one? And God is like, none of them. You should start your own. Um, yeah, response that this individual received was, it doesn't matter. And I loved that. It's like it doesn't matter. Go where you know, join whichever religion makes you happy. You know, take whatever path makes you happy. And I have found that the men who are the most comfortable with themselves as as human beings are also the ones who don't care about who somebody sleeps with or who somebody loves. Many of my very close straight friends will greet me by kissing me smack on the mouth. And at first, I was caught by surprise, but now I'm like deeply, deeply grateful to them that they are comfortable enough with themselves and with me and our mutual humanity that they could do that. And so, I mean, it was just like, wow, wow, how amazing was that? <laughs> Craig said yes because Craig is one of those who he greets me that way. So I I genuinely appreciate that, Craig. So thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I think you know, I, I again, I I don't have kids, um, so I tend to think that oh, it's so much easier for for the current generation, the younger people. It's so much easier to, to come out to be accepted in school. But just because it's easier doesn't mean it's smooth sailing. <laughs> And it's not easy in every family, in every school, in every neighborhood. That's exactly correct. It really depends on where you live. There are many communities in this country where it is absolutely not a good thing. Now, (laughs) I can speak to my experience here in Utah, um, that here in Utah, you know, coming out is different than it was when I was, you know, when I was growing up, when I was growing up. I mean, it was, it was literally something that you could be putting your life on the line. I mean, the threat of, of being beaten up, the threat of bullying and everything else was a very, very real threat. Nowadays, 
Because there are so many Mormons who don't want to be perceived as being uptight, religious, ultra-conservative bigots, they almost like go out of their way to to welcome whoever it is that comes out of the closet. They they're like you know they 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 almost scramble over themselves <laughs> to to say I have a gay friend, I have a gay friend, I have a gay friend. <laughs> it, it's. It's fascinating to, to, to see how much things have changed, even in very, very religious cultures. Now, that's not to say it's not that way everywhere. I mean, there are many areas within the South where evangelism is, is extremely, extremely unwelcoming. Um, there, and again, I'm, don't want to come across as, as, as criticizing anybody's, you know, traditions or faith. I'm just saying this is how it is perceived by many. Okay, it's not my criticism, and nor will I criticize. Um, and there are many areas of the world where literally you could be put to death just by coming out. Because again, there's that obsession. I call it an unhealthy obsession. With, are, are there healthy obsessions? <laughs> good question. Personally, I, I don't I, think so. <laughs> I've not come across that, but, but. exactly. Yeah, yeah, and and. and Again, it all comes back to the, the to to me. It always comes back to that same basic question: Why does it matter? Yeah. So How does anyone, it affect you? I wouldn't invite anyone. You know, and again, I went to this assuming they were differences, and assuming to to be a man was somehow different if you were gay or straight. Mm-hmm. And I would invite anyone that's ever thought that about this subject or any subject to, you know, just recognize that as an assumption. Let's go. Well, what if there isn't? I mean, let, let's assume there isn't any difference until I experience one. Right. Exactly. How would everything be? Exactly. And that's why the communication is so important. That's why opening up a dialogue is so important. That's why it's, you know, talking with each other versus at each other is, so, it, it is really, really crucial. And, and, and I, I mean, yes, there are people within the LGBTQ community who do get offended when people ask very innocent questions. It, they're, they're just trying to understand. They're just trying to 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 be, you know, they're just curious. I mean, yes, I have had people straight out ask me, so what's it like being with a guy? Um, <laughs> I, sometimes, yes, I've been tempted to respond, so what's it like being with a girl? You know, uh, <laughs> I just just to kind of bring attention to, you know, the, the, the obviousness of the question. But at the same time, I don't want to be offended because I know and I understand that the people are coming from a place of really, of, like you said, there's this, there's this idea that there's this huge difference. And really, there is no difference. And certainly, that's just how I tend to look at it and how the majority of people within the LGBT community look at it as well. There isn't a difference. We're, we're human beings. Yeah. yeah. Everyone just remember that part and you can forget all the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. When, when I was, uh, when I was like 17, I was very depressed and suicidal. And I remember one, one night my dad came to me and, and asked if I was gay. Mm-hmm. And I was like, first I was like, I, I think I, I think it was all put on a front. Like, what do you mean? Oh, I know. It's not the question is that. Oh. And I was like, I thought that like, well, could that be it? Do I feel so wrong? And I put, is that it? And then like, well, how do I know? Where do you go? go? Like, what? And, um, right. You yeah. know, at least now people can talk and, you know, but I didn't, I didn't, I never even told that story before, but I never asked anyone, Hey, how do you know you forget? Hey, what do you do? Well, uh, 
Right, right, right. Yeah, no, and exactly because because you know certainly in the generation. Where we grew up, there were set expectations of how men and boys were supposed to behave. And if you went outside of that, oh boy, you must be gay. Again, it was that assumption that, oh, well, you know, anything that doesn't fall within this little well-defined box is, you know, somehow that and somehow evil and wicked and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the list goes on and on and on. Yeah. And even at that, yeah. And, you know, there are, there are, and, and sadly, still today, you know, it seems to be down south or wherever it may be. But guys, you know, heterosexual guys get drunk, go out and look for gay guys to beat up. And then and that that proves they're men. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, so if, if you lost that fight, you would you'd no longer be a man. You'd have, you know, what is like, what? How is that? I personally problem? witnessed. I per- personally witnessed a situation where that's exactly what happened. Three drunk straight guys decided that they wanted to go gay bashing. Well, the person that they decided to bash was a friend of mine who happened to be a third degree black belt in karate. And they had their butts handed to them and it was, it was not pretty. And I can just imagine the shame that they felt the, the following day. Again, that they felt the following day and they were probably even more angry that somehow this, 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 cultural perception that they had that you know somehow straight men are supposed to be manly enough that no gay man can can whip their butts yeah so you know ideally we get to a place where your manliness isn't tied to who you're attracted to who you sleep with who you can beat up who can beat you up and it's really just how comfortable are you in your own skin Exactly. That's the ultimate goal is to basically reach that point. It's like we are comfortable with ourselves and our identities as men, and we get to make our own definitions as to what it means to be a man. Nobody else decides that for us, neither society, nor the pastor, nor our parents, nor anybody else. We forge our own paths, and we can come to an agreement that basically our gender is again an aspect and part of who we are just as our sexuality is part of who we are just as our sexual identity is who we are and our gender identity rather there's sexuality and there's gender identity there's there's two different you know distinctions there but any in other words how we see ourselves how we identify identify ourselves as human beings is ultimately that we reach the point where we accept that every person's path is theirs to forge. And let's see here. We have a comment about straight guys. Women often very determined what is attractive, and now men identify themselves. That is true. That That is very, very true. Um, but again, you know, it, it, it is, it's one of those things where as a culture, as we shift and we, as we start to determine um, – Culture, and again, it, it, every culture is different. You know what women find attractive here in the United States, women find unattractive in other countries and other cultures. And that, and also a lot of that this media, society, marketing, advertising—not mm-hmm. just women decide what looks good. Mm-hmm. And you know, the more I grow up and look around and see different couples, I see lots of you know people that, well, quote unquote, are unattractive or not not traditionally good looking. Right. Find people all the time, so it, is, it isn't just. You know that there. Here's a box of what's attractive, and someone else defined this for me, and now I've got to find a way to fit in that. 
you know, that again, right. that's, I, I think when you kind of lose who you are, you'll try to fit in any kind of box that's presented mm-hmm. to you. But right, right, exactly. And that's, that's a very, very valid point, Andy. And, you know, and that is if we love ourselves enough and if we are comfortable enough in our own skin, we're going to show – we basically are the ones who get to determine what's attractive and what isn't. And, and we can actually show women what is attractive and what isn't because we love ourselves enough. Right. You know, it's, it, it goes to the core of one of the things that I teach and that is when you love you, the world does too. Yeah. And, and so, 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 yeah, I mean to that point, if we do not have enough – if we're not comfortable enough in our own skins, then yes – Women and everybody else can determine what's attractive and what isn't. And then, you know, those behaviors are going to be influenced by external factors. Yeah, because yeah, how many people talk about how, how sexy confidence is, you know, your, your comfortableness, all those mm-hmm. different things. It's, it's not attractive. Being attractive isn't just physical. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the most effeminate guys I ever knew was as straight as could be. And he had women all over him because that 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 factor that um you know he was comfortable in his skin and he was and because he was so confident he was highly attractive to a lot of women <laughs> yeah cool so, well uh, boy we've gone almost 40 minutes today and uh, <laughs> our, our goal is always 20 to 30 just to keep these nice and short and tight so uh yeah we'll uh, we'll wrap this one up awesome well appreciate everybody's contribution thank you so much and um, I guess next week we will come back and we'll be talking about uh, more stuff about um, the experience of real men feeling and manhood in general. Yep. And uh, next week, yeah. So we're here next Tuesday, 5 p.m., March 22nd, and we're going to take on stepping out of the spiritual closet. So <laughs> got a little theme going this month. Yes, we do. <laughs> All right. well, again, thank you, Apio. Uh, thanks, Craig. Thanks for Man Private. Thanks for everybody that commented. Thanks for everybody that watched. And uh, we'll catch you on replays or live again next week. Indeed. You guys take care now. Cool. Be well, everyone. All righty. Bye-bye.